You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. If you guys would this morning, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 4, as we get ready to conclude our series in Jonah, which has really been a series about our life. And as you turn there, um, just uh, want to share something with you that I experienced this week. Um, it was disturbing. It was terrifying. It was um, shocking, I would say. And it was Christmas decorations already up in stores. How many of you have seen Christmas decorations already be set up in stores? We haven't even sniffed any turkey yet. And they're already putting up Christmas decorations for us to buy. Man, don't get me wrong. I love Christmas. I love all that it entails. I love every bit of it. Um, in fact, I love getting gifts from Christmas. How many of you still, no matter how old you are, still like getting gifts for Christmas? Fine, the rest of you can give yours to me because only four of you enjoy getting gifts for Christmas, apparently. All right. My wife last year gave me the gift that I've been wanting for so long. It was a cool gift. It was one of those DNA tests. How many of you have ever heard of or have seen or have wanted to have one of those DNA tests? Okay, so how many of you know what DNA is? This is going to be a long Sunday. This is going to be a long Sunday unless we start waking up here. Okay, so (laughs) it's a test that does your DNA. Okay, so that's what it was. And my wife bought it for me, and I wanted it for so long because I've always known through my parents what my ancestry was. I was, I am Irish. English and Cherokee, but I've always wanted to know like percentages, right? How much percentage am I, am I of this or, or of that? And, and it really started to become a curiosity for me when we moved here to uh, North Carolina, which is crazy. Seven years tomorrow, we've moved here from, uh, to North Carolina. And when we got here, we discovered so much of the Cherokee history that's out here. I mean, in fact, there's even a place called Cherokee. Awesome, right? And so we were like, I've got to find out more about this part of my ancestry. In fact, so curious was I that when I went to UNC Charlotte and was getting my history degree, I wrote one of my major papers on the Trail of Tears and the expulsion of the Cherokees from the from the uh, North Carolina, Georgia area. And so I was just so excited find out what it was. So my wife bought me one of those Ancestry.com DNA tests. And I got that thing, filled it out, like, like spit inside the thing. It was really cool. Like you keep spitting. And then, and then you mail it. I mean, how many times do you ever get to spit and mail it? It's really cool. <laughs> so I did that. And, and, and the results came back a few weeks later. Okay, so here's what I am. I'm half Irish and I'm half English. I'm no Cherokee. <laughs> So I'm like, that test is wrong. There's no way. So I went from Ancestry.com. I immediately went out and bought a 23andMe DNA test. Spit inside that thing. Send it off to wherever it was. They got it. Okay, so here was their results. You ready? I'm half Irish and I'm half English. I'm no Cherokee. (laughs) No, you laugh. I wrote an entire term paper on Cherokees. So I had two tests, two different tests to reveal to me that there was something missing inside of me that I thought I had. There were two tests that I took where it was revealed to me that there was something lacking inside of me that I thought I had. 
That's Jonah's story. When we look at the life of Jonah, there were two tests that Jonah had that revealed that there was something that was lacking within him. If, if you go back and you remember back to our first week, we talked out of Jonah chapter 1, where the word of the Lord came to Jonah of Amittai. And he said, go preach to the Ninevites. The, set, the third verse is this. Jonah immediately went down to Tarshish. The opposite direction. That was his first test. It was a test of obedience. And the test of obedience revealed that Jonah was lacking something inside of him. This morning, we're going to read the final chapter of Jonah. And there's going to be a second test that God gives to Jonah, which reveals that there was something that was missing or lacking inside of Jonah. Jonah chapter 4. This comes on the heels of Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, where God has done an incredible supernatural work in the lives of the Ninevites. An entire nation, hundreds of thousands of people came to know him. And the result is a test now for Jonah. It's a test to see how is Jonah's heart in relation to God's grace. Listen to what it says in Jonah chapter 4, starting in verse 1. It says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. How many of you ever had kids that whine? If you have a child, it has whined. I guarantee you, it has whined. How many of you guys have been in 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 a road trip, and they're just like, oh, I'd rather die than keep staying in the car, Mom? right? Doesn't Jonah sound just like that? I'd rather die than to see you move in the lives of these people. I'd rather die than to see your grace extended to a people I don't like. I'd rather be dead than to watch a people who are far from you come to know you because I've got resentment against them. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Verse 5, Jonah had gone out and he sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. And then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. How many of you know God has a sense of humor? <laughs> Come on. How do you know God has a sense of humor? And he, he can be humorous in his discipline in getting us where he wants us to be, right? He's like, okay, I've got to bring something out of Jonah that he doesn't have. I got to actually reverse. I got to put something into Jonah that Jonah doesn't have. So, so I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a plant to cover up and he's going to be all happy. I'm going to take the plant away. <laughs> Can't you just see God laughing? Because like, I'm going to, this is going to be awesome. Watch this. He's telling the angels, like, what am I going to do? So here's Jonah. And what's Jonah's reply? I'd rather die 
than to have to deal with this. Listen to what he says. He says, he, that Jonah said, and he grew faint, and he wanted to die. And he said, it'd be better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Well, it is, Jonah said. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you've been so concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people? Oh, that's a lot of people. 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. I love, in, 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 the, in the Hebrew, when it says, you don't know your right from your left, those that didn't know their right, the, the picture is of a little child. Remember when you're, when you're teaching your child the difference between their right and their left? And you say, okay, where's your left hand? They put up their right hand, right? And you say, okay, show me your left foot, and they put up their right foot, right? And, and so there, there, was, there was an ignorance. There was a childish, immature ignorance that they just didn't know. And God is saying, these people, 120,000 of them, they just didn't know. They didn't know. There was an ignorance in them. And you, you're failing this test of grace, Jonah. You would rather have seen them die. You'd rather have seen these people who are different and far off from me die. Jonah, my test is revealing something within you. You're not Cherokee. <laughs> your, your heart is far from me, although, although you think it's close to me. This isn't in your notes, but please would you write this down for number one. You can know the heart of God and still miss the heart of God. Be careful, Christian. Be careful. You can know the heart of God and still completely miss the heart of God. What a sobering thought that is, isn't it? That should cause us pause as a believer. That I can know God but miss his heart. I can go to church every single Sunday and still miss the heart of God. I can go to Bible studies and still miss the heart of God. I can be in his word and yet miss the heart behind the word. Jonah did that. In fact, we know Jonah did that because Jonah was quoting the word of God. Listen what Jonah said. Remember what he said, starting back in verse 3. He says this, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate. I'm sorry, verse 2. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Listen, that wasn't an original thought by Jonah. That wasn't Jonah's original thought. In fact, there was another prophet that came before Jonah. His name was Joel. And in Joel chapter 2, verse 13, you'll hear these words. Joel chapter 2, verse 13 says this. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. See how God's always after the heart? Then he goes on to say this. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate. Slow to get angry and abounding in love. He's filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not to punish. 
Jonah knew the word. Jonah knew that Joel had said that, but that didn't even originate with Joel. In fact, the psalmist said this in chapter 145, verse 8. says that the Lord is gracious and compassionate. Psalm 145, verse 8. Slow to anger and rich in love. Jonah, as a learned man, Jonah, as a prophet of God, as a priest at that time, would have known these words. But he would have known this too, that those words didn't originate with man. It originated with God himself. That it was God himself that declared that's what he was. That's who he was. In Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 through 7, let me set the stage. Moses has taken the Israelites out of captivity through the power and the might of God being demonstrated. He has taken the Israelites out of captivity, and now they're at Mount Sinai. And God is revealing himself to the people of Israel. He's desiring for them to see him for who he is. And if you'll remember, there's, there's, there's fire and there's sulfur and there's earthquakes on Mount Sinai. And the people are like, yo, Moses, go, go. We'll just hang back over here because there's like fire and stuff up there, right? I'm not, Moses, you go. So Moses goes up there and he meets the Lord. And the Lord's about to give him the Ten Commandments. But before the Lord gives him the Ten Commandments, these commandments would show us how worship should be. Not worship through vocal, but worship through our lives. What it should reflect and what it should look like. Look at what God first says to Moses. It says, and as he passed in front of Moses, proclaimed the Lord. And then he repeats himself, the Lord. This is God speaking. The compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. It wasn't what man had said about God. It's what God said about himself. He said, Moses, I'm a God that is compassionate, that is faithful, that is slow to anger. I'm abounding in love. And it was passed down through the generations and Jonah knew it. Jonah knew it. Jonah quoted it. And Jonah was far from it. Man, I, I, I don't know if that makes you take a gut check, but it makes me take a gut check. That I can know the word of God, but has it affected my heart? That I might know the heart of God, but is my heart beating like the heart of God? Because those are two different things. Jonah was failing a test. And as I was preparing for this message this week, I had to ask myself, and I hope you're asking yourself, am I failing that same test too? You remember last week and the week before, we talked about the importance of obedience, right? Last week, we talked about the process of obedience. And most of the time, how we process whether we're going to obey a command or not. The process, for those of you that maybe they weren't here or need refresher, it's a two-step process. The first thing that we do when somebody gives us a command, whether we know we're doing this or not, the first process that we go through is we ask ourselves the question, does this benefit me? The second question that we ask ourselves is, do I trust the source of this command? Does this benefit me? And do I trust the source of this command? You have to go through that process. So we talked about the need for us to go through that process long before God ever asks us something so we can just obey, right? How many of you know that processing takes effort? If you don't, it does, just so you know. Processing takes effort. And I don't know if you're like me. How many of you sometimes, like when you think your brain hurts? 
Like, so literally last night, I'm trying to help my son with math homework. And it's got like, it's like written in Greek or in Hebrew or maybe Mongolian. I don't know what this math homework was written in, but I couldn't understand any of it. It like had exponents and, 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 and radicals. And, and I, I just said, this is stupid. And I walked away is what I did. Because <laughs> I'm not stupid. This is stupid is what it is. So, so I know that sometimes, <laughs> don't act like you haven't been there, Dad. Mom. <laughs> Google search it, son. That's why the Internet's there. Um, sometimes processing hurts. <laughs> and so how many of you would like, a, a quick tip in how we can avoid hurting our brain and we can just bypass that whole processing thing and get straight to the part of obedience. Does that sound good? Okay. It's called the Ezekiel plan. It's called the Ezekiel plan. Not the Ezekiel fast. I may be done the Ezekiel fast. This is called the Ezekiel plan. You ready? Here it is. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, the Holy Spirit is speaking. It says this, I will give you a new heart. And I'm going to put a new spirit in you. And I'm going to remove your heart of stone. And I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. It says, and I will put my spirit in you. And I'll move you. Catch this. And I will move you to follow my decrees. Did you catch what the, the quick plan is? The quick plan is this. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, no matter what I might be thinking, no matter where my heart might be bent to, no matter how stony my heart is, take my heart, make it a heart of flesh, and I will follow your decrees. Oh man, isn't that better than processing and making your brain hurt? Right? That Holy Spirit, have your way. Fill me to overflowing. Don't let me play church. Be church within me. Holy Spirit, be magnified within my life. And then when you speak to me, and then when you tell me what to do, because you've done a heart transplant, guess what? I'm going to pass this test. Man, I love passing tests. I, I remember back in school, and you can guess just by me talking about math, there were some tests I didn't pass. And, 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 I, and that, they stunk. I couldn't stand that. But man, when you pass a test, you kind of like, Right? Remember being a little kid and that, yeah, dance that you did. <laughs> I got, and you look at somebody else, I got an A. What'd you get? A plus, shut up. You walk away. <laughs> Maybe I was alone. But I love passing tests. And if I want to pass the test of what God has for my life, if I want to pass the test and recognize that there's not something lacking within me, that I'm not missing something, that I have his blood coursing through my veins, that his DNA is my DNA, you know what I need? I need the Holy Spirit to move in my life. Write this down in number two. It's, again, this isn't in your notes, but I, I just want you to write this down. Then I'm going to get to your notes. So it's like you get two sermons today for the price of one. How cool is that? Look at your neighbor and say, yeah. Is he going to be done by 1030 though? <laughs> I love you. I promise you. Okay. We need to be in obedience. We should be in obedience because understand this. God's plans will come to pass. Not maybe. God's will will come to pass. God is interacting with Jonah, but there's, there's never a part of this story where there was a the threat of God's will not coming to pass. Because what God proclaims is going to happen and what God desires to happen will happen. 
So how many of you know that life is not a negotiation with God? Although we live that way. Sometimes I get into this negotiation with God. Well, if you, and I don't even mean to, but all of a sudden, start, like subconsciously, I'm doing that. If you do this, I'll do that. Or if I do that, you need to do this. How many of you know that's called a negotiation? Now, think of every single negotiation you've ever seen, whether it's political, whether it's in the job, or wherever it may be. A negotiation only occurs when both parties don't have ultimate power and something has to be negotiated to come to a common place. Understand this. God is all-powerful. Understand this. God is almighty. Understand this. He is all-holy, and he is all-in-control. There's no negotiation involved because God is not lacking in anything. Praise God he's not. Praise God he's not. Because have you ever questioned yourself? Ever, like, doubted just a little bit in some of your decisions? Hello? We don't have to question anything that's going on because God is in control. And his will will happen. Therefore, I don't enter a negotiation in the back of my mind wondering, I hope this works out. I hope my will works out. It's going to work out because I've submitted myself to the process of the Holy Spirit living within me. And now I am in obedience to God. And it's going to work out and it's going to be beautiful. Number three, write this one down. I know it's not in there either. But we, we, we serve the God of creation, not the God of our creation. We serve the God of creation, not the God of our creation. Moses, or, sorry, Jonah was trying to make God into something he wasn't. Jo- Jonah was trying to worship the God who was the God of Jonah's creation, the God that was vengeful, the God of violence. The God who is going to pay those suckers back. He wasn't worshiping the God of creation, who is full of love, who is patient, who is desiring that none should perish, but every, everybody come to eternal life. Aren't you glad that the God of creation is the real God? Huh? That the God of creation is the true God. And that's the God we worship, not the God that we try to create. Jonah had gotten that wrong. Jonah was trying to create a God out of his image, not the true image. Jonah was trying to create a God out of the image of Jonah. Instead of Jonah being created into the image of God. Man, I, I I need to be worshiping the God that is not the God in Jeremy's image. That's a jacked up God. I need to be worshiping the God who's creating me into his image. Jonah. Jonah was dealing with that. In your notes you can see that it says we can be tempted as Jonah and assume that we have nothing in common with him. But the truth is the spirit of Jonah often dwells within us. And God will use the pressure of circumstances, calling or crisis, to reveal what is within us. And here's what happens when the testing happens. And this is what happened with Jonah when the testing came. It revealed some things. It revealed prejudice. It revealed his preferences. And it revealed his perspective. Jonah had prejudicial perspective and preference of how God would operate. He didn't want God to bless them. Don't bless them, the others. Don't bless my enemies. God, only bless me. 
and my direction and what I want to do. All of these revealed that he was missing the heart of God and had become full of the heart of Jonah, which was prejudicial, which was preferential, and which was also his own perspective. All of these things, Jonah became a man whose heart was stony rather than fleshy. And throughout the story, Jonah responded with anger, which is often brought about by unmet expectations or false assumptions. So what happens when God doesn't move according to our plans? What happens when God doesn't work according to how we think he should work? You know what we do? Write this down. Number one, we quit. We quit. When when things don't unfold like we think they should unfold, we quit. Man, you know what the one thing God has never been? God's no quitter. And you were made in his image, so you're no quitter. Remember, he's taken that heart of stone and he's replaced it with the heart of flesh. He's poured his spirit in you. So don't you quit. I see quitting so many times when it comes to people in their lives where they make mistake, the same mistake over and over and over. And they really want to get better. They really want to get better, but then they find themselves in the same mistake over, and so I'm just going to quit trying. Don't you quit. The Spirit of God resides within you. Therefore, the power of God resides within you. How powerful is that if we could wake up to it? So we we don't quit, and we certainly don't quit. We certainly never quit when God's plans and purposes look different than ours. That's when we worship even more. And we thank him that he is wiser than we are. The second thing we do is that we build shelters, meaning this, we isolate. We isolate. Those others that we don't like, they stay over there and we'll stay over here. You stay over there. And, and the, second, the last thing that we do is we watch and wait for them to fail. You ever done that? Just watched and waited for someone you didn't like to fail? You're in church, don't you lie. Yes. <laughs> how, many of you, how many of you have ever been in a business meeting, right, with coworkers, and that one coworker you can't stand says something stupid, and you're like, yes! <laughs> Everybody knows how dumb he is now. Come on. How many of you guys have ever been in traffic, and that car passes you 10 miles per hour faster, and you're praying to God there's a cop <laughs> around the corner? Come on. <laughs> And and here's the thing. It's not because you're so worried about the public safety. (laughs) They passed me. They went around. Come on. We've been this way, right? We watch and we wait for people to fail. Those that we don't like. We don't get on bended knee. Say, God bless that person. God, because you've done a work in my heart. And it's no longer stony. You put within me your spirit. Now it's a heart of flesh. And so, Lord, that person, those people, that group, that nation that I don't like, Lord, change me. Bless them. Pour out your spirit in them. How many times have we done that? Oh, that's the tough stuff. That's the tough stuff. Instead, we become a people who rejoice in their failure. We've been happy, haven't we, at times when other people fail. We've been happy about the wrong things at times, haven't we? I was reading this article. 
North Carolina. Here, ready for this? Number one. Some things that they're number one in. North Carolina. Get ready to be proud. Nudge the person next to you. Here we go. First thing we're, we're, we're number one in is the quality of pre-K education. Come on, how cool is that? Another area that we're number one in is that we have the lowest overpopulated prisons. How cool is that? I would say we're number one in barbecue. I don't care if you're from Texas. That's that's. Here's another thing we're number one in. Ready? Happy mug shots. I'm not kidding. 30,000 mug shots were processed by this facial recognition company in Los Angeles. And they determined that 60% of all mug shots in North Carolina show happiness in the people's face. How jacked up are we? But we've all been happy about things we shouldn't be, right? How many times, how many times have we been broken for the things that we should be? We've been happy about the things we shouldn't be. But are we broken for the things that we should be? I love that we serve a God who is compassionate, who is slow to anger, who is abounding. Think of that word abounding, overflowing, exuberantly, full of love. Now, he doesn't want anyone to perish. Here's what I love. I love that we serve a God of grace. Don't get me wrong. He is a God of judgment. Yeah. He is a God of judgment. But man, I'm so thankful this morning that long before that judgment comes, he's constantly pursuing me and constantly wooing me to know him and to believe in him and to trust him and to fall in love with him. That he's the God who is slow to anger. Oh, how cool is that? How great is that? You have a God that's slow to anger because I know I do plenty of things that could anger him. I think plenty of things that could anger him. But man, he's a God of grace, and that's the God that we worship this morning. That's the God that we worship just not on a Sunday, but every single day of our lives. So my question to you is this. In fact, who cares what my question is? Close your eyes. Do this if you would, if you're brave enough, if you're courageous enough. As we reflect over the last couple of weeks, on this story of Jonah, which is really our story. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What is the Holy Spirit drawing out of you? What is he speaking to you? Ask him right now. Open your eyes for a second. Let me tell you, if you did that, that's one of the toughest things to do. Is to just to really just open up. Okay, reveal. Psalmist says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked ways within me. And man, let me tell you something. When I was doing the preparation for the sermon, I was like, dang it. Dang it, Jeremy and Jonah are so close together. You know? And so maybe in this series, 
you have found that there's areas of your life that's a little bit Jonah-ish. And you don't like it. How cool is it that, that God's compassion and mercy and love wasn't just for the Ninevites, but it's for you too. But it's for you too. And that, and that what God is in the process of right now is a heart transplant within you. And so he's going to reveal those things. So there's going to be a little bit of stinging when God reveals things in your character or in your life that he doesn't like and that you don't like, right? It stings a little bit when he reveals that to you. But I know this, I'm going to send my kids to go get flu shots and, and, and to, to stave off being sick, there's going to be a little bit of pain for a second with that needle hitting them, right? How many of you enjoy getting shots like the needle? None of us. If you do, we're going to have prayer teams for you right afterwards because you're sick and wrong and weird. But that, that initial pain, that initial ouch, what does it do? It brings health. And the same is true with correction. The same is true with conviction, not condemnation. Conviction and condemnation are two different things. But when he speaks conviction into our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's ouch, but it brings health in my life. So, Lord, I pray over my friends in here today that if you have pricked them a little bit in their heart and there's a little bit of conviction because there's a little bit of Jonah in them, Lord, first, I thank you for their courage to say, look at me, Lord. Speak to me, Lord. Lord, I I thank you for their courage. And now, Lord, I pray for my friends that those areas that they've seen that's kind of Jonah-ish, Lord, I pray that that stony part of their heart would be completely replaced with the heart of flesh, with your heart, with your DNA. Lord, I pray that they would be a people so bent and dedicated and committed to chasing your will and not their own. That, Father, whatever discomfort you would lead them in to get them where you've called them to be, that, Father, they would embrace that discomfort. Father, their prejudices, their their preferences, their perspectives, Lord God, would all be offered at the, uh, at, the, at the altar before you and say, Lord, you have your way. You take this. Lord, I thank you for my friends and I thank you that they're going to chase after you and love you and just preach your gospel across this planet. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in their lives and all God's people said. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.